Right, welcome everyone. Um, last week we spoke about um, listening to listen and the importance of not just wanting to blurt out our shopping list to God, but the importance of just being in his presence, sometimes in silence, but of course in expectation that he will speak because he's always wanting to speak to us. And I was thinking what would, what would go with this talk this week. And during the week I, um, I woke up uh, in the middle of the night, I think it was, and I just had the phrase, the word is alive. Now, naturally, I straight away thought about the Casting Crowns song, The Word Is Alive, a great song. But just that phrase, the word is alive. And I thought, what, what promise links that, what points us towards that, that the word is alive? And it leads us to um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirits, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, when we look at that, it says the word of God is living. It's living. It's not dead. It's active. It's not inactive. It's not passive. It is actively involved in our lives if we apply it. It's stronger than any weapon. It says stronger than any two-edged sword. But just think of that in modern terms. It's stronger than any, any gun, any ammunition, any nuclear missile. Just to understand in today's terms, it's more powerful than a trident missile. That's how powerful God's word is. It's even more powerful than that. There is no limit to God's power. And that's what we need to get from this. And of course, penetrating to the division of soul and spirit. I've never seen this mentioned in scripture before. And of course, our soul and our spirit are so closely intertwined that this can cut that in half. It can penetrate and divide it. That's how powerful God's word is. That's how effective and that's how accurate God's word is in our lives. The word points to God. If you want to get a really great unpacking of that, I would recommend Psalm 119. Now, bearing in mind, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. I'm not going to read it all out to you. It takes about 20 minutes on a YouTube video that I listened to once. But I would strongly recommend you listen to that. Listen to an audio version because it, it will take time and, and it just you can just reflect on it. Just spend that time listening to it. It is a treasure of wealth, wisdom. The word is from God. And it is given to direct us to him. It is an inexhaustible supply of wisdom and guidance for our benefits in every aspect of our life. When we're going through good points, it directs us. When we go through trials, it helps us. It helps us to stay on the right path and not to go off or wander off into the wilderness. We can learn who God is through his word in his interactions. It very clearly states how he interacts with different people through different time periods in different ways, in different circumstances. The word can change us from the inside out. One of my favorite explanations of the word is that it keeps us pure. And this is highlighted in Psalm 119 verses 9 and 11. And it says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. 
I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. And how relevant is that word for us? How relevant is that message in our daily lives when we face our trials, when we face temptation, when we face difficulty? How do we keep our way pure? By keeping your word, by following your word, by reading your word, by digesting your word. And what is our call? What is our response? How do we keep your word? We treasure it in our hearts. We said last week about heart being our hearts we should reserve for God and only give him the key to access it. It is a very special place. And the result is that we may not sin against God treasuring his word in our hearts the word also gives us hope it makes us holy it produces faith and as romans we've covered this recently romans 10 17 says so faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about christ another translation is faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of god it's threefold Faith comes from hearing. And how do we hear? We hear through the word of God. The word of God is the source of our faith. It builds our faith. And as our faith increases, we can learn to depend more on God and take him for his word. It is also used to build us up. It gives us encouragement. But also, we can encourage each other with the word. How many times would you go about your life, you come across a verse or a passage, and, you, and someone just comes to your mind, and you think that could really benefit them. And it's a tremendous encouragement when you do that. So I encourage you all to do that. Can we trust the word of God? The Bible is accurate. It is the most accurate of books. The Hittites which were one of the civilizations in the uh, Old Testament. This was disputed for hundreds and hundreds of years because they could not find any trace of them and people doubted the Bible because of the Hittites. However, in the late 19th century, monuments were discovered to these, these people, writings, etc. And there you have it, the Bible stood up. Pontius Pilate, people doubted he existed but limestone with his name inscribed was found, and even a copper alloy ring bearing his name was found. The Dead Sea Scrolls, one of which contained Isaiah, and it was so, it was near enough exactly the same as we have it in our modern day. That's how it goes from like thousands of years. And that, that copy of Isaiah was a thousand years older than the, than the copy they had previously. It is timeless. The prophecies about Jesus. How many prophecies about Jesus are there in the Old Testament? And I think there was once um, something that said that the chances of someone fulfilling all of them was billions to one, yet he fulfilled them. The chances. And there are about over 5,000 copies of the New Testament in Greek. That's more than the copies of all the writings of the Greek philosophers, yet people stand by that and never question its authenticity. This has more, it's just illogical. But the word was written by many people over many years to produce a book that has a narrative leading to Jesus. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for a correction and for training in righteousness. It's inspired by God. And as we've just written, it has many practical applications. God 
is a is a practical God. He's not just airy fairy up in the sky. He is practical and he gives us guidelines. He gives us advice to follow that follows suits. The same God who keeps his promises generation after generation never goes back on his word. He is faithful. It's up to date with wisdom and guidance. For examples on law, relationships, daily living, health. And one of the most amazing things I found was there's a verse in Leviticus that speaks of when you are dealing with people who have a disease, wash your hands under running water because then it doesn't contaminate your hands. The practice of the time amongst other nations and still existed for hundreds, if not thousands of years, was to keep washing in still water. And someone actually tried this and the number of deaths massively reduced because they followed this word. God's word is health to us. But the most important thing that I find is that it never hides or it downplays the trials that we go through. It shows real human experiences, the positives and negatives of people's choices. It doesn't wrap it up in cotton wool. It is so real and down to earth. But how can we read it or how should we read the Bible? What is our attitude when we approach? We spoke last week about preparing to listen to God. And a few weeks before that, coming into God's presence. What is our attitude? Are we prepared to listen? Are we prepared to sit at the feet of God and listen to his words, read his words? There are many ways. Technology has been a massive help in the accessibility of the word. We can read it in books. We can listen to it, my personal favorite. And we can even watch videos of an issue. We can watch countless sermons after sermons and pictorial videos like the Bible Project, for example. Great videos. But when we get into the word, I do admit this, it is challenging at first. I'm no expert. I don't claim to be but it comes easier with time and practice. In my own life, I was very poor at English at school. I, I really struggled when it came to writing reports, um, constructing sentences. And I used to ask my mum for help because I was failing at English and I thought I wouldn't be able to get a C at GCC. And she helped me. But I didn't just want to let her help me. I wanted to learn how she did it. And then when she explained how she corrected my work and what I was doing wrong, I was able to pick up and develop the skill. And over time, I got better and better to the point where I would sometimes point out mistakes that she made to, my, to the corrections that she tried to give me. But we should read it daily. It is our food. Matthew 4.4 4 says that he shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Not just our bodies, but our spirit need nourishment. We need nourishment every single day. A verse from Jeremiah, uh, another one I put up on my wall, 15 verse 16 says, Your words were found and I ate them. Your words became a delight to me and the joy of my heart. And I came up with an equation. Seek and eat equals delight and joy. We have to seek the word. We can find it. But we have to seek it. Sometimes we just put the book on the back of the shelf and leave it there. We need to get it open. We need to read it and seek it. We need to eat it. Not sugar paper or nothing, but we just need to eat it. Day by day, 
and the result is a delight to our hearts. It is joy and joy is inexpressible. I came across this passage once when, a, when you read your Bible, your Bible reads you. It takes us back to what our verse was. It discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. But maybe in your life it challenges you and you may not like that and that might be a reason why you don't want to read it. Running away doesn't help. Seeking it, seeking God, seeking the word is the path to life. Of course, the Holy Spirit who lives in us as brothers and sisters in Christ leads us into all truth. He is the author, the divine author of scripture, and he helps us to understand it. James speaks about <clears throat> being doers of the word and not just hearers. It's a twofold approach. Many only do one and not the other. But realistically, how can you read that word and not respond to it? It is active. It is alive. It's not passive. It's active. And of course, Jesus in Luke eleven twenty eight says that there is a blessing in hearing and keeping. We have to do both. I say have, but we're led to do both. If we listen to it, that automatically invokes a response. In my life, I find that. The Bible shows us how we are in need of a saviour. Jesus is our perfect example. He knew and followed his father he followed the word he is the word in the flesh and as john 1 verses 1 to 5 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning all things were created through him and apart from him not one thing was created that he had that has been created in him was life and that life was the light of men that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus, the light of men, he is a light for us. We will never, ever walk into darkness with the word of God. When we practice, when we follow, when we read it, when we apply it, we may go through dark times, but we will never walk blindly into darkness and get lost there. One of my favorite verses from psalm 119 your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path it gives us the light to see we need to keep that light charged we need to keep the oil topped up one of the most amazing things about the word it is eternal isaiah 40 verse 8 says that the grass withers the flowers fade but the word of our god remains forever it doesn't expire it doesn't end it remains forever jesus even says that heaven and earth will pass away but my words won't the word will never pass away and just to pause for thought before we end this discussion should we put our time and energy into things that will perish or the word which lasts forever I'll leave you with that thought. Right, I have some questions. Question number one. Do you enjoy reading the Bible, the word, discuss? Question two. Do you struggle spending time reading the Bible, i.e. the word? If so, why do you think that is? What changes could you make to improve your Bible reading time? And question three, 
Is there a passage or verse of scripture that has helped you through a tough time? How did the scripture or verse help you? Amen.